0: So the question I want to ask uh, this weekend is, is worry always a, a sin? Is it always wrong to worry? Um, worry may be an, um, uh, an emotion that we have. Sometimes it's hard to control your emotions, isn't it? Your your first reaction to certain things, it's almost impossible it's to, to do that. You know, over in Scripture, we're told over 100 times either to fear not or do not worry. 40 times in the New Testament. So... The interesting thing is, as I was thinking about that this uh, weekend, for this weekend and this week, I was thinking about how that works in my life, how does worry and anxiety work in my life, and I think I've come to a place where I I think that worry is just an emotion, and anxiety is something that comes upon us, and I think the question is, how long do we dwell there, right? Right? How long do we dwell there? And, and I think that will help us a little bit as we talk about this. Because I think every one of us, if we're, if we're honest, and I hope we're all honest, <laughs> um, we would admit we struggle with worry from time to time. Maybe more than the person next to us, but we, we struggle with it. So the question we want to look at this weekend is, what does the Bible really say about worry? And there's two major passages that speak about it. One is from the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount. The other one is Philippians chapter 4. So we're going to go and look at the, the Matthew passage. And it's on page uh, 787. And uh, it's uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. And if you don't have a Bible, we have these chair Bibles. They're great Bibles. And you can just take it and go to page 787. I'm going to read through this. Now, this is a, a, you know about 10 or more verses. Uh, but let me read it. And let me uh, just give you... Uh, and then we'll talk about it, okay? So Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or are about your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food, or the body more than clothes? <laughs> Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now, all these questions are, of course you can't. (laughs) They expect a no answer. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So then he says, so, so, so don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we eat, drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. This verse, if you have a Bible, should be underlined. It's a great passage of Scripture. If you have a a way on your smart device, your phone or whatever to, to highlight it, your iPad. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Now, sometimes when we read a passage like that, we immediately feel guilty. Because we say well well i guess i 'm failing here too <laughs> here 's another area where I fail. I worry and I, and we, we feel guilty we 're told not to worry, and yet I do <laughs> right uh, so what 's wrong with me, and why do I worry so so often? I mean, most of us don 't wake up I mean you may be here, but i 've not met too many people i don 't think i 've met anybody who wakes up in the morning and says, what are the top five things I must worry about today? Did I knock one off the list? Did that somehow go away? I've got to add another one to my top five list of things to worry. Nobody does that. So if worry and anxiety are a common struggle, and we don't plan to worry, then how come we struggle to get a grip on worry? How come we struggle with it so much? I want to begin like I said, I want to begin with a question, and I want to ask the question is: Is worry always bad? Is worry always bad and i 'm going to suggest that there are times when worry is not a bad thing um, you don 't have to turn there, but i 'll have the the whole verse up on the screen. The prudent sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keeps going and pays the penalty. Now, the prudent here seems like when they 're in a tough spot, when they see danger, they get worried, they get anxious, and they take the appropriate action to save themselves, right? I was watching a video today of a man, he was on a boat on YouTube, he was uh, in his boat and he was fishing, and he had just pulled up his hook, and you hear this, this uh, um, recreation uh, water vehicle coming at him, a jet ski coming at him. And it's coming right at him, full till. Apparently, the the, the uh, young man on the, the jet ski was blinded by the light, didn't see the boat, and he's coming right at him. Well, at that moment, I think panic and anxiety and worry are a are, are good response to what's going on in your life. And I think that's kind of what this is saying. Only a fool doesn't worry about impending danger. Now, if... If things are really bad around you and your life is really a mess, you're kind of foolish not to be concerned or anxious. Now some Christians think it's 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 a godly trait. When all hell is breaking loose in my life to walk around with a, gr- a grin on your face saying, "It's okay, it's fine, I'll be." F-. And you go, "No, it's not okay. Please say it's not okay because it's not okay." And no one thinks it's okay. They say God is in control. Everything is great. No, it's not. So I think at some point you have to say, there are times where I should be anxious and I should be worried. The question is, how long am I going to stay there? Right? How long am I going to remain anxious and how long am I going to let my life be controlled by anxiety and worry? That's the question. The second thing I want to talk about is, I think we can, can can only control our response to worry. The 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 general emotion that we have and God has made us emotional characters, right? creatures. Those those are natural. We respond in anger, we respond in in laughter, we respond in worry. Those are natural things, but how do we respond? It's almost impossible not to feel worry when life is crashing in on you. That's, and here's the thing. When a pastor gets up there and says, if you feel this at all, some, you know, you're not a good person and you don't love Jesus and you're not obeying his word. And I just think, man, I don't know. I don't think that's true. So when we read a passage like the one in Matthew, we feel guilty because, well, I worried about this. You know? Well, maybe it's something you ought to be concerned about. Well, how do we make sense of Jesus' words and allow for, the, for our natural feelings? Because there's got to be a balance there. I think there has to be a balance between this idea that you should never feel that, you should never uh, feel anxiety or worry, um, because if you do, you're sinning or you're not obeying God's word. I think that's a denial of our emotions. In this passage that we just read, Jesus isn't referring to our feelings. He's talking about our actions. He's talking about our actions. Uh, for, for example, let me give you another example. Because uh, maybe if I show you in another area, this will make sense. We're told to love our enemies. Right? Jesus says that, right? Do you love your enemies? Have emotions Good emotions, positive emotions for somebody who has said or done terrible things to you. Is that what Jesus is saying? Is he saying that if a predator went after your child, you are to not only forgive them, but you're, you're to love them and have positive feelings towards that person? No. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what he's saying. You see, because we Uh, The point is, oftentimes, emotions can often be out of control, but our actions and our responses are within our control. So it may be that that the way we love our enemy is we don't kill him. Seriously. We don't kill him. We don't seek revenge. Maybe that's the first step. But the point is, the question is not if if we will worry. It's how long are we going to dwell there? How long are we going to mull it over in our heads and, and walk around with it? I mean, that's, that's, I think, what Jesus is talking about. I don't think he's talking about when you have an emotion and something's happening and you have to respond to it. I think he's saying, you know, if it's been weeks and months and years where you've just been anxious about the same thing and worried about the same thing, yeah, you're in a bad place. That's not what he called us to do. Look at Paul. <laughs> Let me, give you, let me give you an example. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 27. Look at what Paul says here. <coughs> Page 941, if you want to turn there. Paul says this. Now, if you don't know, Paul was uh, the, one of the greatest missionaries the church ever knew. He wrote a, many books of the, old, uh, the New Testament. Um, and he wrote the book of Corinthians. And this is what he writes. And he's talking about his travels as he planted churches. I have labored and toiled, and I have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and am often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I daily face the pressure of my concern for all the churches, who is weak and I do not feel weak, who is led to, into sin, and then I do not inwardly burn. What is Paul saying there? He says, "I struggle." <laughs> I struggle. I'm not Superman. I I go through the same struggles that you go through. And Paul is telling us that he regularly got stressed out. I mean, even Jesus got stressed out. He did. He did. Jesus got so stressed to the point that it said that he began to sweat drops of blood. Look at Luke 22, page 858. 8.56. Luke chapter 22, verse 41. So Jesus is in the garden, and it says this in chapter 22, verse 41. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. This is the the number of the few of the disciples who were with him. And he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in, what's that word? Anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. He did this three times. Three times. Now, what is he praying? He's saying, Father, if there's any way else that we can do this without me having to go through this, please let me know. Do you think he was worried? Do you think he was anxious? Do you think he was overwhelmed? He absolutely was. He, Jesus is asking for the Father to find another plan if possible. And he, he was faced down before the Father. He was in anguish. I don't know if you can describe anxiety and worry better than anguish. He made his petition three times. He's not finding peace, but he's still accepting the mission. See, here's the point. Jesus didn't want to go through the valley of death. He begged the Father three times for a way not to go through, but he to find another plan. But there was only one plan. Here's the key point, though, with Jesus. Jesus chose to do the right thing, even though it was the hard thing. So, worry and anxiety are a part of this life. But that doesn't give us a pass to say, well, I'm worried and I'm anxious, so therefore I can't choose to do the right thing. Jesus is the ultimate example of somebody who was put under the greatest stress that anybody's ever been put under. And Jesus basically said, if there's another plan, let's take the other plan to the Father. But the Father says, no, that's the plan. And Jesus willingly went through and did the plan. You see, we can't always control what happens to us at home, in school, at work, at life. But we can always control how we're going to respond. It's not easy, but it is possible. And that I think that's the point that we need to get from the Matthew passage. That worry is a part of our life. Anxiety is an emotion that we're going to experience. But we, but the, but we have to decide how we're going to de- deal with it. like Just like anger or forgiveness or anything else. I mean, we're told that we have to forgive people that hurt us, right? That's in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us as we forgive those who... Sin against us, right? Don't we say that? That's what the prayer says. But we don't feel like it, right? The emotions don't make it. We don't want to. But that's not the excuse for us not doing it. Jesus didn't feel like it, but he still did the right thing. Turn over for a moment to Philippians chapter 4. This is the second passage. And I think this is very helpful. This is Paul writing, and it's on page 953. And this is an incredible pass- passage. Now again, this is the same Paul that just wrote about all the stressors that he had in his life. I mean, you, you, when you think about Paul, you say, okay, so Paul, what are, what are two or three things that are bringing you stress? I don't know, uh, being pursued, being beaten, being shipwrecked, you know, being left half dead, you know, the churches and all the controversy in them. And, and, and notice what he says here don't be do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god now let me just stop there and say here's exactly what we do we do the opposite we worry about everything we don't pray about anything paul says pray about everything and don't worry about anything uh, so he goes on and the if if we do this And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, he says, I can't explain it, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Underlying that phrase, think on these things, meditate on these things, reflect on these things. What things? The things we just said, right? Right? Whatever you have learned and received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, how do we get a grip on worry? We just said we just I just tried to make a case that worry isn't always a sin. It's not always wrong to worry. In fact, sometimes it's healthy to be anxious and worried about certain things. The question is, how long do we allow that to go on, and what do we do with it? So, the question now I'm asking is, how do we get a grip on worry? Uh, We're not going to be able to get rid of worry this side of heaven. We're not going to get rid of anxiety this side of heaven. There's going to be stressors. There's going to be things that are going to stimulate worry and and anxiety in our lives. So here's three things that we can get from this passage. The first one is, do you pray an honest prayer to God? Pray an honest prayer. What do I mean that? You tell him exactly what you want. Tell him exactly what you need. Don't play games with him. He knows before you ask anyways. You know, some people say, well, why should I pray if God already, the prayer isn't so much for him as much as it is for you, right? Prayer is for your heart. Prayer is a way for you to get your spiritual feet grounded in the sovereignty of God. That's kind of what I was trying to get to when we talked about communion. The communion table to me is, a, is once a month, it's an opportunity to get our feet regrounded in this sacrifice, in the cross of Christ. Because when we see that God became man and came to earth and gave his life for us so that we could be set free from our sins, so that we can have an eternal hope, that he loved us that much that he would do it, and that there's a resurrection on the horizon for all who believe in him, that begins to put the things of this life in perspective of everything else that's going on in our life. That's why I think that's important. So praying a way that for pray it, prayer is a way for you to get your spiritual feet grounded in the sovereignty of God. Second thing to do is thank Him for what He's already done. Now, why do we do that? Again, it's for ourselves because many times what we have to do is we have to reflect on God's goodness. Uh, that's why Paul says in First Thessalonians, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, when you're filled with fear and worry, give thanks because it reminds you of what God's done in your life and how he's provided and how he's come through in the past. And when you begin to reflect upon that, you say, he's never let me down. He's, he's always been there. He's given, he gives me hope. This, in turn, will fuel our faith. Praying in gratitude is not for God's sake, it's for ours. You may have to do this over and over and over and over in, in a 24-hour period. Number three, pray this, w- this way as often as you need it. How many times did Jesus pray in the garden? He prayed three times. It wasn't just one. He prayed three times. He prayed the same prayer three times. You may have to pray the same prayer 15 or 20 or 30 times in a two-hour span. If something is really burdening you, you're really anxious about something. But do it. You'll find it will help. So that's the first thing. The second thing is set your heart on the right path. Set your heart on the right path what happens when we worry and we, we struggle with anxiety and we begin to dwell there is we're not thinking right. That's why Paul says, think on these things. Change your mind. Because when we are not thinking right, when we allow our, our heart to go off and, and our mind to go off. And in the Bible, the heart is not like this emotional thing. The heart is the seat of our thoughts. It's our will. It's, it's, it's who we are as a person. And so we have to tell our heart. When our heart is worried and our, our heart is telling us, what are you going to do? It's going to all fall apart or you've got these problems. And you keep coming. In the bur- You know what it's like, right? You've got to say, shut up. Stop it. Stop talking to me. And and you got to change your you got to change your don't let your heart talk you into a, living a worried and anxiety filled life don't let it do it you have the power to set your heart on the right path that's why Paul says think on these things what things the things that were above whatever is true whatever is pure whatever all those things see what we focus on will determine what we see what we need to focus on uh, the uh, the facts not the what ifs. What kills us is the what-ifs, right? Well, what if this goes wrong? What if I get this news? What if the what-ifs... See, you remember the last verse of the Matthew? It says, don't worry about tomorrow. What's tomorrow? What if. Why? Because it's got enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about it. Because you can't solve it anyways. We need to focus on what is lovely and and not what is ugly. Let me give you an illustration. So... um, We recently, a few, uh, six months ago, we got a, it wasn't uh, five months ago, you don't care. Um, We got, (laughs) we got a new car, a new used car, okay? And I had never heard of the brand, and I thought, oh, okay. And now, since I got the car, I see these cars, this brand, all over the place. It's like, where has this car been? And I thought, I've never even heard of it. And now I'm driving one, and then, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. I see it all over the place. So some of you are thinking, so what kind of car did you get? Well, I got a, 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 a Porsche 20, uh, 911. And some of you are saying, the minute I said that, some of you, most of you laughed because you know I didn't. But some of you thought, well, maybe we're paying him too much. Who, who are the elders around here? <laughs> Let's get back to the main point. Oh, it's not about me. <laughs> see, here's the point. What we focus on is what we will see. And if we focus on the facts, not the what ifs, um, it will go a long way with dealing with worry. The problem we have is we focus on something and when all of a sudden we're, we just see it everywhere. Everywhere. It's all over the place. Now, here's another area that I'm going to meddle with you. One area I'm going to meddle with you. Some of you, see, sometimes worry comes in our life and anxious moments come in our lives. And it, we, we did nothing to deserve it. It just happened, right? Um, it just happens sometimes in life. But sometimes we open the door for worry. We open the door for anxiety. Let me tell you how you do that. You turn on the TV and you watch those news channels. You know the ones I'm talking about? You know the ones... I don't have to give you the letters. You watch those, and you're, you get worried, you get anxious, you get angry. Because these people on this side are so awful, terrible, horrible people. And you don't think that maybe they're making a case, and maybe making it favor their side, and not the other side, and making these people out to be demonic Nazi nun killers. And and how could, and you just get to the point where you just, you're just angry all the time. You listen to talk radio and then you turn on the TV and you watch the news and, and you get angry. You're from the right, you're from the left, and you're angry at the other side. And Paul's word says whatever is true, whatever is lovely, focus your mind on these things. Some of you need to turn the TV off. Turn the radio off. Stop listening to that. Stop opening the door. You're, you're a sucker for this stuff. You really are. What does he say? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Some of this stuff comes into our lives we have no control over. Some of it doesn't. We have let it in. And we're suffering and we're angry and we're wound up and we're angry. Just all this stuff, we're anxious and worried because we've allowed these, these things to come in. Just be careful about that, okay? Let me give you another one. This is another thing we do. Do the right thing. Obey God in anxious times. He says... In verse 9, this is the verse we don't often read in Philippians. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. In other words, don't just walk in and say, oh, that was a good sermon, Matt, or that was a good uh, passage of Scripture, uh, Lord, thank you for giving that to me. And now I'll be off and I'll just do whatever I normally do. He says, put these into practice, and then the God of peace will be with you. you got to put them into practice. See, obedience breeds confidence. Disobedience breeds fear. Okay, we'll go to another driving illustration. Have you ever run a red light? You didn't intend to do it. It was an accident. You weren't paying attention. The light turned quicker than you thought it would. And you thought the yellow would last a little bit longer than it did. But there it is, you're halfway into the intersection and it's red. And what do you do when you get through that intersection? Your eyes go to the rear view mirror and say, was there a police officer at that intersection? Oh no! Am I going to get a ticket? And then you don't. You're safe. I told Carol, because sometimes I've been caught, not my own fault of course, in situations like that. as I was telling her this illustration, we came to a yellow light, and I stopped, and I said, not this time, oh, there'll probably be a whole bunch more, <laughs> but see, what's going on there? Your actions have caused stress and anxiety. How does that work out? If you had just stopped at that light, slowed down, you're behind somebody who's going really slow, and you think, i got to get by them, i got to get by them, Why? You a doctor? You going to go perform surgery somewhere? You a fireman? You got to go get get on your fire truck and save somebody? No, you don't. You get all anxious. You get all upset. You get all worried. You get all wound up. And what you need to do is you need to stop the light. You need to remind yourself, I'm in no hurry. This is not a big thing. I got nowhere to go. Nothing is that that important. If you're living, and here's the other thing. If you're living in disobedience to God's law, if you're lying or you're living a lie, if you are doing things that are deceptive or dishonest at work or in a relationship, and you feel anxious and you feel worried, guess why you feel anxious and worried? Because you're lying. Because you're deceiving. Because you're living in sin. And, and you know that if you get found out, things are going to be really bad. If you're living in disobedience to God, though, you can expect to find daily anxiety because sin removes God's protection. If you're not truthful with, with your words, if you're living a lie, it takes a toll on you. And it will stress you out. Some people have said, I cannot be a Christian. I can't follow God. It's too stressful. He demands too much. I'm going to go live my life my way. And one of the most terrifying things is that God lets you. uh, Romans chapter 1, two verses. We're going to close with these verses. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. It's on page, interestingly enough, on page 911 great place for it. And this is what Paul says. This is what Paul says to people who say, I don't need God in my life. I'm going to go my own way. This is what uh, Paul says. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God uh, for a lie and worship and serve the creator of uh, the created things rather than the creator who is to be praised forever. The good news, you know, the bad news is that when you walk away from God, he lets you walk away. And you're like the prodigal son and your life's going to be a mess. And you're going to pay a hefty, hefty price for that. And you're going to be worried and you're going to be anxious. Because you have no sovereign rock to place yourself, your life. You have no hope. You have no forgiveness. You have nothing. You walked away from all that. Here's the good news, and we'll close with this. The good news is when you take your fears, you take your worries, you take your anxieties to God, you will find they will begin to diminish. You will find a new hope. You will find a new freedom. And you will find that worry will become a passing emotion rather than something you are living in day after day after day. God's word has a lot of instruction. We've only hit the tip of the iceberg. But uh, we want to be victorious over worry because it's something we all we all struggle with. But hopefully there's a something, something from this, from the word of God, that you'll say this will help me take steps this year. And I'm not going to be as anxious and I'm not going to worry as much because I've told my mind, told my heart, stop it. I began to think on the right things. I've closed some of these doors that I've allowed to open. I've started to live a more moral life. I've told the truth. I've lived a life with integrity so that there is nothing to find out. There's nothing to hide. I don't have to live with a weight on my shoulders. All those things can help. But if you're here today and you have never found that forgiveness, I would love to talk to you after the service and show you how you can find forgiveness tonight before you leave. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Stand with me let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you provide forgiveness for us. Thank you that worry is a a part of this life, this side of heaven, and anxiety certainly is. And sometimes we let let it in to our lives through different doors. Help us to slam those doors shut. Help us to take Paul's instruction to to change our heart, change our mind. Help us to take Jesus and his words to really understand that he loves us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And that he knows what we need. And help us to go to him when we're struggling, when we're anxious, when we're worried. And thank you, Father, for the promise you give us that when we come to you, We will find hope, we will find forgiveness, and we will find joy. We thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen.